Triple M's Real Football Show. Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Well, on today's Triple M Real Football Show, we'll be chatting to Celtic legend Paul McStay. He may tell us about Ange, the Ange factor, Ange Postacoglu, after the boys had its second official win for Postacoglu. 6-0 over Dundee. Paul is also the founder of Maestro Sports in Australia. Albie, you know quite a bit about uh, Mr McStay. Yep. Um, Good friend of mine and a very good player. Uh, Played for Scotland, I don't know, 75 times or whatever. He played 700 games for Celtic. Um, Scotland captain. He's, you know... Scotland, you're from the youth team right through to the the senior team. He's been the captain of Scotland, captain of Celtic. Um, great lad, and and what's really good about him, he's very very humble. And we're lucky to have him on the show. And uh, Maria Jose Royas, you've introduced, you're about to introduce us to a special guest all the way from the USA, Doctor Marcia Oliveira, yes, yes. women's coach, mm-hmm. and uh, she'll give us. An insight about the success of soccer in the USA. What what can you tell us about Yeah, Marcia? no, she's a um, well, amazing person and, and great coach. Um, she's been helping um, athletes uh, for many years. Um, she's been involved with the U.S. Um, national women's soccer team, also being part of the Brazilian national team. So she knows. She knows a lot about women's football and, and I'm very happy to have her today um, in the show. Excellent. Now, up for debate before we get to our guest, and Albie, I'm fired up about this one, and uh, Cote. But firstly, Le- Lionel Messi signs for PSG, earns, what, 41 million euros, leaves Barcelona after a lifetime there, and uh, it's so sad that he's had to leave Barcelona, but obviously they've got the salary cap issues, but the Qatar-based PSG... They can buy whoever they like, and what annoys me a bit, these FIFA fair play issues, they don't seem to happen with PSG or even clubs at the City Football Group. But they, they're happy to pay. They're happy to pay that. that mu- they have that much of money that they're happy to pay that, that fee. But is it, a, is it a good thing? Because obviously nah, they've got... No. Killian Mbappe is now going to partner Messi mm-hmm. up the front in attack. They've got a world eleven. Yeah, but look, I think I think it's 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 exciting to see that. I think the world is waiting to see great players stay together like Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi. But also, it's gonna be good for Messi, and I think it's gonna refresh her career, his career. So I think it's gonna he's gonna lift his game. I reckon um, he's gonna do it easy. That team's um, you know the players that they've got in there, the, the French league uh, is for me not the right place to go. Messi should have been in the EPL. Um, big teams in there, you know. You, can you mention any more teams and three teams in the the French league? Well, yeah, I can. Well, you can because you, you're a football so person. Montpellier, Lyon. Yeah. yeah, well, there you go. But um, but they're all, you know, mediocre clubs. <laughs> no, they are. They basically are. You've been harsh a little bit. Yeah, but looking at uh, P- PSG, they can't. Well, you, know. you look at the Champions League. I, I, I heard. I was I listened to an interview with General yesterday, and uh, he was saying that. Uh, Pochettino, um, if he if he doesn't win the, the Champions League, he's going to get sacked. 
They have to win cool. it. But but the fact of the matter is football's football, Val. Is, is, and Cotter, you could relate to this as well. But you know, you know, you get injuries, you get uh, players out of form, you you know, all the above, right? You can't make a statement like that. Okay, you've got the starting eleven there. That's a world eleven. Let's be honest about it. But um, will they win the Champions League? I think they're going to be up there. You know, given that they stay away for injuries and and all the above. You can't. It's a silly statement. But I can see this this Super League. I can see yeah this actually helping the Super League gain more legs. This is not done and dusted with Barcelona, mm. Juve, and Real Madrid in charge of this Super League. I think it's going to happen. Because we need to they, put strainers mm-hmm. on this market because it's yep. just ridiculous. Yep. And just talking about the transfer market, and this is what leading into the Australian transfer window, this window is laughable compared to the rest of the world or compared to Europe. At the moment, Australia has made $1.28 million from two sales. That's Dennis Genreau from MacArthur and uh, going into France and Ryan Strain from Adelaide United going into, into Israel, Maccabi Hafi. Let me give you some of these figures, Albie and Cotto. These are staggering. The transfer window, as of yesterday in Europe, the top five leagues, okay, so they've turned over $3.43 billion. This window for the sale of about 1,020 players. England, $1.8 billion, 325 deals. Germany, $963 million in the Bundesliga, 202 deals. Italy, 849 City R, 218 deals. France, 711 million. Ligue 1, 191 deals. Spain, 398 million. La Liga, 179 deals. Then you go to the USA, there's a similar market to us because football, soccer is not at the, the, the top of their sports. They've turned over 40 million this transfer window. You go to Japan, 13 million. Obviously, the, the, the player from uh, Vissel Kobe. Furahashi going to Celtic. That's a yep. big chunk of that, 13.3. Australia, 1.28 million. And here we are. Our juniors, they want to be Lionel Messi. They want to be Cristiano Ronaldo. But seriously, the money from the junior development is going to play the MPL players. And, and above that, it's a dead end every year. Don't we get this market? Yeah, there's there's a lot to discuss there. You need half an hour to see, you know, Talk. speak about the um, the positives or, or the 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 negatives there. But um, you know, it's all about producing players, Val. And you know, what happens here is traditionally each year we don't really produce players. You know, when you're looking at the every club's got an academy, and um, it's not really the environment to sort of. To have an academy, in my humble opinion, you know, you need full time players. We've got one full time club here, which is uh, Adelaide United. Obviously, but they haven't even got an academy. They got two teams. Correct. So, so there's two, a great two development well, that's, teams. That's, they that's haven't my point. Got that's below exactly that. what I was going to say. You know, look at if you. You look at the best team in in, in Adelaide. It's, it's got to be Adelaide United, and that that will be debated with the with the Adelaide City people and the the Greeks as well. But um, but really looking at uh, Adelaide United. You know what? What do they actually do? They've not got a home. They've no. They've really not got that happening. But the, and they need to because that you know to filter players into the they should have their own academy. But not only that. Before you chime in, Cote, clubs regardless of Adelaide United are on the wrong path here. I think it comes with that because um, you know I'm coaching and 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 I see and I see that I know clubs are 
making efforts, but I think it's not enough because we need to put more emphasis to develop our juniors. They need to start younger. They need the right training and they need the right coaches. They need to invest in coaches and they need to put more time in juniors because we ca- we have to stop kind of to take the money from juniors to pay, as Bell said, um, MPL players because they don't produce, they don't have it's the money. So for us to think about, okay, in the future, in 10, 15 years time, we need a plan. And the plan is first to tell coaches or parents, because we see a lot of parents, coaches, take them, go and do your license and make sure update that every single three months, meet with them every month, give them a plan. I want you to do this and this more organized because I think Australia can have really good players and we can develop that and send them overseas. A great opportunity for them. I'll give you an example. Like This is my, my personal example. So I'm in, I'm in contact with a, one of the leading clubs in Europe of development. And when I was there pre-COVID, they've asked me to see if anybody would partner them in their development. They supply coaches. They supply their programs. Wow. They supply everything. I asked the club here in Australia, I'm not going to say which club. They said, yes, yes, yes. I said, this is your ticket to actually start producing players to enter this market. Mm-hmm. I approached this club September last year. I'm still waiting for an answer. What are we? August, 11 months. Wow. And this is one of the leading development clubs in Europe. The, uh, yeah. the, the mentality's got to change. Yeah. Disappointing. Well, there's a process to go through, isn't there? You, know, you, you take it from the highest level you know whoever's got the best academy there i've been to ajax i've had the opportunity to go through the ajax uh, uh, youth uh, set up there and it's fantastic yeah. and, they've, and they've got a vehicle there to produce players and what they do is they they sell players into the marketplace which the money's go back into the coffers to start that cycle again it's a great model yeah but i think it could be in in that case but i go back there um because I think they they are scared to share the money. They they but they don't think long term. They are gonna short term. Exactly, they think short term. So what are they doing? Like oh, we are not sure. They clubs here. They should think long term and be able to work with this. Imagine what opportunity to come from a European club to have an academy here. They need to be able to open their mindset and be like, okay, let's hire academies. Let hire let's hire good coaches. Let's make. We can be part of them. So private with them can also make a big, big, big development group. Well, look at this world and, and the money mm. generated. That would keep clubs alive here. Even a, a million-dollar sale per, per year. It's a win-win. It would keep them, keep them alive here. For... It's a win-win. You win, they win. So everyone makes money. Yeah. You, you look at the guy, Duke. He's a, he's a recent one, by the way. Val, what happened? He's, he's away to Japan, isn't he? Mitchell Duke, yep. Yep. How, what was the transfer fee? In League Two, I'll have to check that one up. Yeah, I have to check that one up. But, but this is coming from the Middle East into Japan. This is not coming directly out of Australia. Yeah. these are the transfer sales I'm talking about. Yeah, and okay. can I say one more thing about that because I'm still thinking. Um, it's with the juniors clubs gotta have a great opportunity to attract more players because parents don't want them to get injured, so they don't want them to play footy so early. So they take them to f- soccer, football. So that's the market when they are five, six years old. So that's so important to have good coaches. Where are they going to tra- transmit the passion and the love for the game? Good coaches and fun stuff. So. Coming up, uh, Paul McStay, Celtic legend. Sharp one, McCluskey. 
McStay. Oh yes! Sheer brilliance from young Paul McStay. And take that short free kick. Paul McStay. Well, you seldom see them better than that. Short one by David Proven. That's a good looking one, and it was McCadden coming in. McStay will try the long shot. For the second week in a row, from exactly the same position, 20 minutes gone, and lightning strikes twice, believe you me. Doing what he did against Hibbs, there wasn't much time to make up his mind, hardly any room, and that is driven with the greatest control, quite superb. Great tackle by Paul McStay. Coleman playing it through the middle. The Rangers defence had it in. Here's a great chance for Mordor McLeod. McStay following up. Paul McStay in his first all-time match makes it one apiece. OK, on the line now, we've got a very special guest, a Celtic legend, talking to another Celtic legend who never played for Celtic, Albert Kidd, Paul McStay. <laughs> and uh, obviously... Uh, <laughs> The Ange factor at Celtic, it's kicking in now, second official win, and they had a good win over the week on the weekend, 6-0 over Dundee. And Paul is also the founder of Maestro Sports in Australia. What can you tell us about Paul Albert? Yeah, Paul's been a legend of the game for, for sure. The, the word legend is used very loosely, in my opinion, Val Cote, uh, across the, the globe. But uh, this guy's a true legend, very humble bloke as well. 700 games or whatever, probably plus... For Celtic, uh, 75 caps for Scotland or whatever it may be, but uh, a great player and a great lad. How are you, Paul? Very good, Albert. Uh, good to talk to you again. That's great. Uh, we, we, the last time we, we, we spoke was in at, uh, at the, the ground, Celtic Park, uh, about four years ago, and uh, there we were Willie and uh, Willie McStay and um, also... Um, Murdo McLeod and stuff like that but look I'd like to go on to yeah. the, the fact uh, you're in Australia now Paul you've been living here for 10, 11 years I would imagine but uh, Ange Postacoglu the, the guy that's uh, went to Celtic there in my humble opinion um, really good uh, uh, appointment uh, Paul I uh, see you've been doing a couple of interviews uh, uh, about Ange can you tell us about that? Yeah I, th- I think uh when it was first announced that uh, it came to light that there was interest from Celtic, I started to get uh, telephone calls from friends, uh, one or two from the media as well, asking about what he's like as a coach. So I just told them you know, what I had experienced uh, watching teams play, and uh, I just relayed that these teams play in a very exciting way, an attacking way, uh, and I think that they have a a bit of edge as well. You know, there's, you put out teams that want to play attractive football, uh, but they've also got a little bit of an edge. You know, they, they, it seems to pick a team of winners as well. They understand uh, what's required to go and win games, but going and win tournaments as well, which is true with the, the Socceroos. Look, when you go across his career, Paul, you're right. You know, he's, he's astute, he's organised, he's disciplined, he's, and more importantly, he's successful. Every club that he's been with, you know, I, you know, you've followed his career here in, in Australia and then going to Japan and winning the league. Uh, he won the league twice, I think, at Brisbane Roar. And, you know, a talented coach for sure. But what what we've been debating over the last, uh, probably since he's been appointed, Paul, was the culture, the, the, the yeah. Scottish and the Glaswegian culture. You know, it's a 
very, very big club to a global club to be coaching. And there's a lot of people putting question marks over Ange. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he's handled the, the culture, if you want to put it that way, very well. I think uh, from the point of view of performance on the part, that's the most important thing. And I think he's uh, implementing his philosophy style of football now. And one of the, the key aspects I looked at, uh, there was actually a, a clip of a training session when he just took over. Uh, it was on the Celtic website. I think it was Celtic TV had put it up. Yeah, and they had yeah. the teams structured not just doing shadow play, sort of probably boring training they, for the for the players. I've been there, you've been there, Albert, as well. But it's so important that that's where it all happens. He's actually got them on the training field, putting that structure in place, uh, and his philosophy on the training field, getting it right there. Maybe no opposition to start with, but he, he sets up, it seems always sets up the structure, gets the players playing from the back, from the goalkeeper, getting it out, Everybody knows where they're supposed to be in the park. Then I'd imagine in the training, you'll bring in some uh, reserve team players, uh, youth team players to put up some kind of uh, opposition there. But what I've seen was the game against Dundee, that was the way the team played. Is a very free-flowing football from uh, the goalkeeper right through the, to the forwards. And again, I, I see... Probably that's why he's had success at Brisbane over in Yokohama and with the Socceroos. He's got that philosophy. He works hard on the training pitch and then the players take it on the park and felt it delivered. The players delivered at the weekend there. Paul, he has got a good. You mentioned a very uh, valid point there. He's he's got a good shape there. He's um, you know even the Hearts game that they got beat. I watched the full game and um, there were signs that um, uh, they were going to be you know, they were keeping the ball. They must have had about sixty percent of the possession there. But when they played against Dundee at the the weekend there, you know that that's a a massive thing for us to get a result like that. And the way that his his players played, I, th- I thought it was quite exceptional. Yeah, it was uh, no, a joy to watch. I and mean, Celtic teams I grew up watching uh, with Kenny DeBleach and you know, Danny McGray in the, in the early days. Some of the, the Lisbon Lions were still playing uh, as well come the end of their careers when I was watching Celtic. And that's the way they played. You know, Jimmy Johnson, people <laughs> like that. And I, I mean, that's the way Celtic fans want to see their football. And Ange delivered that against Dundee. And the players were exceptional. And one of the, the key aspects which I liked was that no, they, they, they did press very high, but no, uh, Kyogo was closing down the full-backs and winning the ball, winning throw-ins and keeping their defence under pressure as well. So it wasn't just the actual the way they played the game, it was actually the way they uh, sort of implemented that high press and especially in the centre-forward, the strikers doing that, I think they're on a good thing. Now, Paul, I don't think Ange's under immediate pressure, but there could be a defining match in a couple of weeks. So, Tomorrow morning, our time, he'll be playing in the uh, Europa League qualifying. They're up 4-2 against uh, Jablonek. Then there's Hearts, again in the second round of the Scottish League Cup. Then St. Mirren, then the game away to Rangers. This could, no. Do you think this could be defining for his stay at Celtic, this result? No, not, not at all. I, I think uh, he's shown what he's capable of in a short period of time. He's got the team playing in a very attractive style of football, uh, getting results as well uh, now. And uh, I think, you know, obviously, the first Rangers game is important. Uh, you want to uh, do well in that. And uh, and I suppose there is pressure any time you go into that match. But I think you know, fans understand what I'm just trying to achieve. 
and you'll be given time now, I think. Uh, I think probably those uh, people, uh, once you're at the start, fans, but I think uh, what he's delivered over the last uh, two or three games, I think uh, fans understand his philosophy and what he's wanting to do. Paul, changing the subject a little bit, um, I heard um, um, about your business, Maestro Sport. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. Basically, I, I, I work as a consultant over here. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Excellent. Uh, I'm involved in recruitment. You uh, was involved with that? Uh, okay. d- uh, doing a bit of player ID uh, and obviously helping clubs over in the UK with their recruitment of players. Uh, so that's what I'm sort of doing just now, involved in a bit of uh, sports technology, mainly helping uh, grassroots football clubs as yeah. well. And uh, that's geared towards recruitment and uh, player ID as well, player development. So, yeah, I keep busy over here. I thoroughly enjoy going to watch my football at the weekends, uh, NPL level, and obviously catch a yeah. as well. But uh, no, it's... Uh, Excellent, a good place to excellent. Watch football. Not, not, not as cold as where I used to. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were just talking earlier about the development. So, yeah, yeah. that's why I, I wanted to uh, ask you about that question because it's, it's so important, has recruitment. Uh, uh, yeah. Paul, I was disappointed with Ange Postacogli's. Um, you know, he, he won 6 0 at the weekend, and, uh, you know, in lieu of the fact that I used to beat Dundee, you know, I thought he, he might have told these players <laughs> to take the foot off the pedal about four or something like that, you know, but he never yeah, did. <laughs> you know him, but he can't do that. But, uh, <laughs> and just across, well, the cross the road from the dens as well. Um, our friends Rangers. Um, I watched that game as well, Paul. I don't know if you watched that, but one nil, um, Dundee United beating Rangers. You know, that was uh, brings uh, everybody back to square one. So uh, looking forward to yeah. the Celtic Rangers match. I really am. Yeah, I think uh, I just saw the highlights of that match. Uh, but I mean, Dundee United. Uh, we want to make an impact this year. We've got a good young team there, new coaching. Uh, but again, it shows that you no, know, uh, like last year, Rangers you no know, deserve to win the league. Uh, this year's a different proposition, and uh, obviously that match and then what happened in Europe against Melbourne. Now uh, you're talking about you know, the pressure going into yeah. the Rangers game. I think uh, there's question marks already been asked about the Rangers team and uh, what's happening there. So. I think uh, Celtic will feel quite comfortable. You get a couple of good wins under the belt uh, before that, and they'll feel comfortable getting it that match. Yep, Paul, great to speak to you, mate. Um, I'm really uh, happy to, that you're enjoying Australia as well as as I am. We'll need to catch up in Sydney when I'm when the the virus disappears. But uh, I really do appreciate appreciate your time, Paul, and uh, all the best. No problem. Thank you, Paul. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Thanks. Paul. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Julia Grosso from Vancouver to win it for Canada! And we have a special guest all the way from the United States of America, Dr. Marcia Oliveira, a revered women's coach. And uh, Cote, what can you tell us about Marcia? And obviously, I've done my research. I know she's a superstar. <laughs> what can you tell us about her? Marcia, well, she's an um, amazing coach and, and more than that, a great person. Um, she, um, she was coaching um, South Dakota and United States, Houston, BPAR, and involved as assistant coach has, um, with United States and also Brazilian national teams, cool. women's teams. So it's uh, very exciting to have you here, Marcia. And, and again, more than um, all her background and experience with the women's football and also she works with the high-level 
athletes. Um, she's um, an amazing person. Now, Marcia, I've got to ask you the first question. And it's great to see that we've got a new Olympic champion in Canada. And obviously a lot of players yeah. out of Canada play in the US. Is that really throwing the United States of America's women's team like uh, the, the playbook out of the window? Are they really disappointed about not even making the final? Yeah, and uh, I was, you know, so first and foremost, I cannot, uh, I cannot forget to to thank you guys for this opportunity. It's, it's always such a, a a treat to talk about women's soccer and this high-level women's soccer and what the direction has gone. So that game specifically, you know, the loss of U.S., uh, you know, to Canada in a somewhat uh, dubious call for the PK and the stuff of thing going to the VR... VAR was quite uh, um, was quite a blow, you know. So, but I would like to give the credits to Canada. Canada has been grown, you know, on the confidence level. You know, for the last uh, two competitions, they had uh, got medals, and uh, we cannot underestimate this. You know, a, a team that has been grown, it has been so much held themselves together and um, I know the history of uh, Sinclair I know the history of uh, the goalkeeper you know Stephanie Labbe and uh, I'm so thrilled for them and uh, I think uh, that was it well deserved yeah. sure. okay so well we know that Canada won the Olympics this year um, Marcia you just said um, how Canada has been growing the game that's um, I would like to just ask you this question because you've been involved for years um, and all your experience working with high-level athletes. How countries can get to 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 develop and and to plan, you know, for 10, 15 years? I saw even Brazil, you know, um, the games they were playing amazing, and I really thought they were going through, uh, but unfortunately, obviously, they they lost. Uh, how how you see that development? What are they doing well? compared to other countries? Yeah. Um, two parts of the question. You know, the way that, uh, I mean, first and foremost, you know, soccer is still a beautiful game, which, you know, many times surprise happen, but surprise does not happen without a good planning. So I see that uh, the development of a stronger development and level confidence of Canada and uh, I, I see also the preparation and the greater development of the Brazilian national team under Pia Sonhager. Mm-hmm. So how teams can go to the path of becoming uh, better and developing uh, a, a better sense of, uh, of individual and team dynamics, you know, is a matter of... Uh, the professionals involved with that, the level, the experience of the professional. So I I can see that for years, you know, with U.S. I can see that, you know, for the last uh, three, four years with Canada. Uh, Pia Sanhaga with Brazil has a little bit shy of uh, two years, you know, or approaching that. She has renewed her contract with Brazil Excellent. for a couple more years to reach out to uh, to you know, to the World Cup and so forth. But uh, one, you know, the professional involved with that. Not to forget that we are 
uh, uh, we are in this sport to see how good level of confidence, how good level of uh, mindset, how good is the level of the experience that combine this all together. Uh, it's not just a matter of the game itself or the tactics and physical and so forth that we have seen many years, you know, 10 years back. The psychological factors are extremely important. And that's one of the areas that I have been dedicating myself for, for the last four or five years. You know, the performance, the high performance, the positive psychology and be able to the high level athlete really perform to the best on have that individual account of uh, confidence, resilience, and be able to make a difference when it matters most. Marcia, just about psychology, the, the game's football was played without crowds. What does that do to the psyche of a football player? And, and Japan, say especially, no home crowd to play in front of, and they're a brilliant ball-playing team, and I enjoy watching them. Even the United States would have had big support, not so much Canada, perhaps Australia. What do you think that, oh, no, you, you're not a magician, neither am I, but the result could have been different if there were crowds there? Um, I do know for a fact that all of us, including myself, have had difficulties on adapting to this, uh, you know, different normal and how the uncertainty of the COVID and so forth play a role. I, I have uh, followed and uh, had a conversation with athletes that did not know if they would go, how things were. So all of that was already very difficult to, to transition into uncharted waters. You know, so all of us had doubts uh, about our only day-to-day -day situation with something that we never seen before, quite unprecedented. So back to the athletes itself, you know, starting from their point of view, you know, they were trying to adapt and become stronger to a new day-to-day -day situation. And of course, not having... You know, the expectators and fans there, there was a different scenario which athlete had to adapt. But he, you know, we're talking about high-level athlete, and they have seen so many different things that they have to adapt so quickly. So some of them, they're way ahead because they have seen so much in terms of experience. They were possibly able to adapt quicker. But that also makes... Uh, uh, there is there is there is a great there is a great differentiation between one athlete to the other because not all of them are the same and we know that. So I think starting from the athlete point of view, okay, they had to overcome and adapt, and of course not have the fans. I think that would have the greater support, you know, by all means. Marcia, um, look, the, the, the standard of the, the ladies' game, is, I'll tell you what, it's improving out of sight. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the Olympic Games. Um, I thought, the, the, you know, Canada, Sweden, uh, even our uh, Matildas were, were fantastic. Um, really looking forward to the, um, the World Cup coming to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, you'll, be do, you, you'll be the same. You'll be looking forward to that. But what I'd like to ask you is so what, what teams should we be looking out for uh, in the World Cup? Yeah, um, I think, uh, you know, 
pretty much Holland made, you know, the Netherlands, you know, they, they definitely, uh, they were pretty sound, okay? I think they're still a, a great contender there. Uh, I think Australia is just starting uh, a, a new direction, you know, with the new coach, I believe, for, um, you know, a little bit over a year or so. So, but uh, Brazil definitely is going to come strong. I think this situation in the Olympics for Brazil, there was a wake-up call, you know, because there were few players in the Brazilian roster that uh, there was the last chance, you know, to make a bigger impact. And I do believe there will be few players that have been there for quite a while meaning the goalkeeper uh, and, and a couple of the players that, you know, that's, uh have been there for a while, I think they they pretty much done. And I think uh, the whole situation with Brazil, I think it's going to be stronger. Uh, going to a PK, you know, what can you say? You know, so a game finished up in the PK, anything can, can happen. Yeah. That, it's a luck? That or... is when... No. What is that, Cote? It's a good luck? To go into the PKs, penalties? Some people say it's luck. Other people say, no, you got to really know how to take it. Well, but you got to be there. I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that you make your own luck. <laughs> yeah, okay. Marcia, in, cl- in closing, I'd like to ask you a key question about America. Um, were they, you know, were they very, were they focused? Because they seem to be very, very good side, good players, good individual players. But was there... Was their confidence down or did they approach the games, uh, you know, in a negative fashion? Because really, uh, America really were uh, high on the agenda to be winning this competition. Uh, What's your thoughts on America? Yeah, a new coach. Okay, this was the, the first big tournament. This new coach went with the group. You know, the group is already having... A little bit of difficulty to answer the question of the average age, okay, around the 30 years old. That's the average of the age. And uh, there's few of the questions that come around that. But I think so the biggest difference they make was uh, I don't think, so, you know, this coach had as much um, Influence. experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... The present coach, he he has not gone into a a very high level uh, tournament. You know, yes, of course, you know, there's few tournaments here in the U.S. in which I was very close to that, working for the federation with them. There was a tournament in Europe now, which they saw there was the the game was quite a bit a different way when it's played outside the U.S. Uh, I think that's the biggest difference that, in my opinion. Uh, coupled with uh, the average, you know, age. Well, Marcy, it's been an absolute pleasure all the way from the United States. Thanks for joining us and uh, obviously for Kote introducing you to us. Thank well. you so much, Marcy. So was, um, Thanks, Marcy. Hopefully we'll see you in Australia yeah. when the World Cup's here. Yes, yes, thank you guys. Have a have a great day. You know, pleasure to talk about women's football and uh, hope to see you guys in Australia for why not? Absolutely. Economy. Thank you. <laughs> now, how about this uh, breaking this morning, guys? Um, reported in The Australian, this is huge. Australian sports and government officials are formulating plans to bid for the 2030 or 2034 Men's Football FIFA World Cup again. Can we win it? 
I mean, there'll be the 2032 Olympic Games, 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. Yeah. Now we're going for the men's. Do you think it's all talk? I think, yeah, because I think it could happen because they're building already facilities for 2023. So it would be ready. It would be ready in such a country to develop, and I see it like that. We're going to have the same problem here with this uh, little stadium down the road, by the way, if we're in the – it's not big enough for the Men's yeah. World Cup. And we're going to have the same – I was going to swear – problems that Don't we've swear. had for the last 25 years. I'll tell you what will be happening. The, um, the uh, Women's World Cup will be under – the microscope to see how we deal with the World Cup, mm. and, and so that it's imperative that the World Cup ladies get it right because um, they have you know, to if make they it do, right. if they do, if they do, you know, it gives a better chance for the men's World Cup. It to be. Twenty thousand seats is not good enough for the FIFA Men's World Cup, and that's what we got at High Marsh. Perhaps not yep. even twenty thousand. Here we go again. Mm. Here we go again. But there's a lot of time. A lot of time to get that organised. Just before we get to the EPL, Albie. Yep. Cote, you're in a final now. Yes, yes, cup final. So exciting. We play against Metro. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. So it's Where um, uh, Ballo Parks, Football Centre Ballo. Valentino Park. Ballo. <laughs> so, Ballo. yeah, uh, we play there uh, Sunday to confirm the time. So um, I will, yep, keep you updated, Bell, so you can come. Is that going to cost me another bottle of wine if you win? Of course. Grange. <laughs> and then for Grange. Guys, EPL, let's, let's hit it. EPL, um, Saturday they're going to be kicking off Brentford versus Arsenal. Huge. Man United versus Leeds United. Leicester versus Wolves. Chelsea with a new player. Lukaku. Playing for Chelsea. Romelu Lukaku. What a 97 million Good signing pounds. Bro. Playing against uh, Crystal Palace, that's Chelsea. Watford versus Aston Villa. That's Everton okay. versus Southampton. Burnley versus Brighton. Norwich uh, City versus Liverpool. That's on the Sunday. Uh, also on the Sunday is Newcastle, West Ham. Uh, big match on the Monday, Val, Cote. Mm-hmm. Tottenham versus Man City. Will Harry Kane be playing? Who will he be playing for? <laughs> I know. Hasn't, hasn't he already said farewell? He's virtually said farewell, hasn't he? Well, he's he uh, it's certainly his, not a foregone con- conclusion now. He's, he's um, sort of disrespected Spurs he has, a few days he ago, has. hasn't he? And, you know, as I mentioned last week on the show, um, he's got he's still got three years of his contract to run. So It, it means nothing now, Albert. Yeah, but um, you look at um, Grealish going to Man City, that's impacted on on uh, probably Harry Kane as well. But uh, look, there's a lot, there's still a lot of contracts to be looked at, the clauses or the above. Um, he's not He's not really sure now to going to uh, Man City, in my opinion. And let's bring it back to the debate that we had. The transfer windows open, billions of dollars being made, but Australia, where are you in all this? Yep. It's got to improve, Al. 